Welcome back, Missio family. The Christmas season is here, and today you'll hear Pastor Josh speak about hope. If you have any questions about Missio, you want to join a missional community, or have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Well, good morning and welcome. How's everybody doing today? Wonderful. Do you guys realize it's Christmas? Christmas is here. We just sang Christmas songs, got the tree up, and um, this is just a bit of a, uh, I guess, pro tip, don't wait till December 23rd to start your Christmas shopping, okay? I've done that before. Maybe some of you are already done, and you're on top of this whole Christmas thing, but I kind of learned the hard way, because I used to wait until like one or two days before the holiday, and then I would go out and try to find stuff, and what happens is you go to the mall and, or the store or whatever, and you find that all the good stuff is gone. And so you end up buying all the leftover stuff that nobody else wanted. And by the way, your stress level goes pretty high until you find that thing for your loved one. So for the sake of the people you're shopping for, and for the sake of your own health and well-being, this is your announcement. Get your shopping started now. There's 20 days till Christmas. You guys realize that? 20 more days till Christmas. So we're starting a new series today, and... um, We don't always follow the Advent calendar or the Christian calendar, but um, if you're from a more liturgical background, you know what I'm talking about. There's a Christian calendar, and often churches will follow with the seasons throughout the year. And so we don't often do this, but right now is a good time to do it because what's happening with Advent is churches all over the world, the big church, right, church with a big C, they're, they're celebrating Advent and talking about these same ideas. So it's kind of cool because it reminds us that we're part of something bigger than what's happening just right here locally in Bismarck. And so churches and Christians all over the world are thinking about the things that Jesus brought in this season of Christmas. So the four things are hope, peace, joy, and love. And so those are going to be the things we talk about this month. So today we're talking about hope. Hope is something that we need, right? And so kids probably understand hope more than anyone. And I don't know about you, but um, kids are pretty good at hoping for certain Christmas presents. Like they'll, they'll ask for something and they'll see a, a box under the tree and it's, it's wrapped and it's the right shape, right size, maybe the right way to kind of shake it. It sounds like it. And so they have hope for that present that they want. Now, when I was a kid, this is going to date me a little bit, but uh, this was before the internet and before you could just pull up a website and look at toys, we used to look through the JCPenney catalog. Anybody remember the JCPenney catalog? All right. And so it was thick like a phone book, and we would take this catalog, and my, my brothers and I would just pour through the pages. I mean, the whole thing wasn't toys, but there was a toy section, and we had those pages pretty well wore out. And we'd take a Sharpie, and we'd circle it, oh, I want that. And then we would make our list, and and mom and dad would ask us for a list, and so we would prioritize the toy. This is what I really want. This is number two, this is number three, and it'd have the price and like the part number, right? Because we don't want mom and dad getting Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles confused. They're different, right? And so we went through this process of of looking at the catalog, and uh, and so again, this makes me feel old, but... And then we'd also see TV commercials. They would advertise these toys and really make them look good, and so... Uh, I don't know about you, but there were some things that I wanted that I didn't get. I hoped for those things, but I didn't get them. And the first one, uh, the, thing, the thing that I remember the most that I wanted and didn't get was the talk boy. 
this is the talk boy. It's a little handheld cassette recorder, and if you remember Home Alone 2, the movie, Kevin has one of these, and he's walking around, he's recording stuff, and then he's playing it back, and like, he books a hotel room, you know, pretending to be an adult, and uses a credit card, and, and as a kid, I'm thinking, this is going to open up some possibilities for me. <laughs> and maybe that's why my parents didn't get it for me, because they knew what I was going to do with it. But the talk boy was something that I hoped I would get, always wanted it, never got it. How about you guys? Anybody remember a toy that you really, really wanted and never got? Just shout it out if you can remember something. Power wheels? Like the battery-powered thing? Yeah, like the, you drive it. I wanted one of those too. My parents never got one. Crazy, right? How about anybody else? What's something you wanted and you never got? <laughs> say, it, say it louder. Totally hair Ken. Does anybody else know what that is? I have no idea. <laughs> no girls in the house, sorry. It's, it's a Barbie. It's a Barbie with special hair. Yeah. So like you do the, the doll's hair. Interesting. Okay. A little different than my house, but yeah. Anybody else? What was that thing you never got? You wanted it. Well, you guys were very blessed. You got all the toys you wanted. And so we probably all could think of it. If we, th if we thought long enough, we'd come up with something, right? And there was a toy that I actually really did want and that I got. And so this was another toy from my era. It's called Crossfire. Anybody remember this game? So the marketing company did a great job of this on TV. These kids, are, there's like lightning bolts coming down and there's smoke and there's special effects and you know, they got like cut off, you know, leather jackets. They look like they're out of a Mad Max movie. And they're shooting these little, you know, BBs at each other, playing this game. And I wanted it so bad. And I put it on my list and I got it. And so we opened it up and my brothers and I put it on the floor. And it's this plastic tray with a couple of shooters and some marbles. And we played it for about 10 minutes. And we're like, this is lame. <laughs> the marketing company did a great job, but the game itself wasn't that great. So we played it a few times and then we just kind of slid it under the bed. Okay, on to the next thing. And so as a kid, we know how to hope for things. We know, that, and sometimes we get what we want, and then we find out that it really wasn't all that great. And so then we're on to the next thing, you know, another new toy, whatever. So kids know how to hope. And then we get a little bit older, we still hope. But maybe we hope for things that are a little more meaningful, a little more substantial. Like we, we go to high school in hopes that we'll graduate, Right? And then we graduate in hopes that we'll go to college and get a degree. And after we graduate from college, then we, we hope that we'll get a career so that we can pay off all the student loans that we took out. Right? And we're single in hopes that we'll one day get married. And we get married in hopes that one day we'll have kids and start a family. And then we hope that those kids will eventually start their own families and bring us grandbabies. Right? And so we have all these layers of hope. There's cycles of hope that we go through in our lives. And, and hope is a good thing. Hope is something that we all need as humans. Hope is future-oriented faith and expectancy that something will happen. So I, I think it's safe to say that we all have some hope in our life. Whether it's hoping that uh, we'll be able to get married one day or have kids or, or get the job, the dream job that we always wanted. Or maybe we're just hoping to travel and see family around Christmas. 
We can hope for all different kinds of things. Maybe we're, we're sick and we're hoping for a cure. Maybe we're, we're looking for healing or something else. So what are some things that you guys are hoping for today? And this is meant to be a little bit interactive, so don't freak out, all right? Be brave and just, what's something that you're hoping for? Could be big, small, doesn't matter. What's something you're hoping for today? Do you say nap time? Amen, sister. <laughs> Way in the back. Can you shout it out? Happiness. Happiness. Mm. Yeah. We all want to be happy. What else? Yeah. That's a good that's a good hope. It's a noble hope. Yeah. What else? Husband surgery, yeah, that's real stuff. It happens, right? Yeah, we hope we hope for those things. We want good outcomes. We just prayed for another guy that was having a surgery th- this week or this, yeah. So anyway, we all have hopes, and and at times we lack hope too. We we say, well, man, I've been hoping for this thing for a long time. Maybe it's maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken or strained, and we're just, we're holding out hope, but it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. And so it's good for us to have hopes of, of just the normal stuff of life, but then we have to ask ourselves, well, where does God fit into all of this? How does God fit into the picture? Where, where does he bring hope? Because oftentimes in this world, people put their hope in a change of circumstances. That's, that's really what they're hoping for is, well, life will just be better if that happens, or if this goes my way or if things turn out the way that I think they should, then that's, that's really their hope. Their hope is in the changing circumstances and not ultimately in God, right? And so hope is built on what we want to have happen. We need hope in our lives. Biblical hope, though, is expectant for God to show up and do something that only He can do. It also requires, biblical hope requires that we don't have all of life figured out. We don't know what's going to happen But no matter what does, we can trust God's heart and we can trust that he's in control. That's biblical hope. We hope in in God and no matter what happens in this life, he's got us. That's that's biblical hope. So we need hope. God desires for us to have hope and it's it's something that he wants to give us. Uh, I read an article about these rats. So there was these scientists that did uh, like a research project on these rats. And so there were two tubs of water and they, the first group of rats, they put in the water, and they were just going to see how long they would swim before they drowned. That's kind of morbid, right? But maybe you don't like rats. <laughs> so they put the rats in the water, and they, they see what happens. These rats swim around for about an hour, and they all drowned. they just done. All the rats are gone. So that was test A. Test B, they have another container of water with rats in it. And with this group of rats, they pick them up every so often, and then set them back down. It wasn't like they were giving them a rest. They would just pick them up out of the water and then set them back down. The second group of rats that were being picked up swam for 24 hours straight. Those rats, they knew that if they swam long enough, they could stay afloat, that somebody would come and pick them up and then set them back down. They had hope. I think it's crazy that if, if rats need hope, and they're not real smart, I mean, we're obviously more intellectual than them and, and developed. And so if rats need hope, how much more do we as human beings need hope? I need hope. You need hope. And God offers it. And so the people of Israel, you know, we're talking about Christmas and Advent. 
the coming of Jesus. And so the people of Israel uh, were God's chosen people that lived for hundreds and hundreds of years hoping that the Messiah would come. There was a promised Messiah. They knew this from the prophecies. And so they waited and they waited and they were filled with hope of who would come. And so that's what the story of, of Advent is all about, is what Jesus brings when he shows up. Jesus is our only true source of hope. We're going to look at a scripture today. So if you have a Bible and you want to open up to Luke chapter 1, we're going to read from Luke 1, starting in verse 26, going through 38. And I, we have it on the screen as well, if you'd like to just follow along. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So when we think about Christmas and we think about Jesus' coming, we often go right to the manger scene. Right? Like Jesus in the manger, there's the animals and, and the shepherds, and it's, it's really cool. And, and that's typically where we go with the Christmas story right away. And it's easy for us to kind of just gloss over the people of Israel were waiting for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for the coming Messiah. And so the stuff that's happening before Jesus' birth is very significant. This sense of, of, of waiting and awareness. And so uh, I want to read one of the prophecies to you. This is from Isaiah 9, and this is one of many prophecies, but this is what Isaiah said. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so through all of the prophecies in the Old Testament, they pointed to Jesus, to the coming. And so this waiting, this hopeful waiting of the people of Israel was a real thing. And what's interesting, though, is that the people of Israel, for the most part, when they read things like Isaiah, they talked about a throne and a kingdom. And, well, he's going to come, right? And he's going to take the line of David. And so in their minds, for many of the people of Israel, they were hoping for 
uh, this Messiah to come and be the new king and like wipe out the Romans. Like we're just going to take care of the Roman government and we're going to put it all away and we're going to start this new thing and uh, Israel's going to have armies and chariots and horses and we're just going to dominate everybody else. And that's what a lot of the Israelites were hoping for. That's what they had in their mind. That was their expectations. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but let's talk about Mary. Mary is a young girl, Jewish girl. She knew the prophecies. No doubt she had read them, studied them as, as a child. She knew the prophecies of Isaiah and Hosea and Micah and Zechariah and in Daniel. But she gets visited by this angel, Gabriel. This, this angel comes to her and gives her a message. And I don't know if we can fully grasp, like anybody here have angels just show up on your doorstep? Anybody? Kind of a big deal, right? So this angel comes to, to Mary and says, Mary, it's you. Like the coming Messiah, the Son of God, will be born to you. Now Mary, I'm pretty sure she knows where babies come from. So she's a little confused. She's like, well, I'm engaged to this guy, Joe, and we're not married yet. And I, you know, you know where babies come from. We don't need to go any further than that. But she's a virgin. And God says, and the angel says, no, God's going to give you this baby. And you're going to carry the Messiah, the Savior. His name is Jesus. And so imagine the emotions that Mary must have felt. You know she had to be excited, like, hey, this is great, I'm going to have a baby. But then she was probably a little confused, because I know where babies come from, and this isn't how it works. So how am I going to become pregnant? And then she's got to be a little bit afraid, like, what are my parents going to think? What's Joe going to say? You know, my fiance, like, he knows where babies come from. Is he going to be a little upset about this? So she had to be afraid. But then I think, too, she had to be honored. Like, God chose me to play this part in his story, to carry the Savior of the world. What an honor. And I love the way that Mary responded. She was confused. She didn't really get it all. But she had a heart to say, okay, God, I trust you. I don't get this, but I'm your servant. I'm here. And so you think everybody would have been excited that Jesus was finally coming, that this prophecy was being fulfilled. Mary saw it. She understood it. But when I read this scripture, I can't help but think about somebody else who didn't get it. So in Luke 1, we just read, talked about um, Elizabeth. Now, if you know some of the story of Christmas, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. And she was quite a bit older than Mary, but she was, the Bible says she was barren. She wasn't able to have kids. And so Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, was a priest, and he served in the temple, and they hadn't had any kids, and then all of a sudden, Mary's, you know, having this visit from an angel. Well, she found out that her cousin Elizabeth was already six months pregnant, and they had had a visit from an angel because they were about to give birth to a son named John the Baptist. Maybe you've heard of him. So John the Baptist was very important because he was born and he went just before Jesus to preach a message of repentance. He makes, makes straight the way for the, the coming king. And so John the Baptist played a very crucial role in Jesus' ministry later on. And so this angel had visited uh, Zechariah and, and told him that they were going to have a baby. And this is what Zechariah says, Luke 1, 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And so we see a very different response, right? Same angel, Gabriel, visited Mary. Mary said, let it be. I'm your servant. I don't, I don't fully get it, but I'm cool with it. And then Zachariah's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Like, this, this can't be. And so Zachariah, he wasn't too quick. Like, he didn't catch on real quick. So he, uh, the angel told him, he said, well, until this all happens, until your son is born, and we prove that this is actually going to happen, you're not going to be able to speak. You're going to be mute. And so he, he couldn't speak for the rest of the pregnancy. And so then uh, John was born, and he writes it out like on his little tablet, you know, and he says his name will be John. And as soon as that happened, God opened his mouth, and he was able to speak again. You see the, the contrast in how Mary responded to that message and how Zechariah responded to the message. Mary had faith. She trusted God. And then you have the Pharisees, right? The Jewish people, the leaders of the, of the Jewish people. Again, they were hoping for this Messiah to come and be their new king and to rescue them from Rome and to set up his earthly kingdom and just kind of wipe out all the other, other nations. And so they completely missed it. They didn't, they didn't believe in what Jesus was coming to do. And later on in, in Jesus' earthly ministry, as he grew to be a man, he didn't set up a kingdom with horses and chariots and armies. He didn't sit on a throne over the whole kingdom. He said, my kingdom is in the hearts of people. You can't see my kingdom. It's, it's a spiritual kingdom. And so for the Pharisees, they completely missed it. Maybe a few of them got it. I mean, there's hints of that in the New Testament. But for the most part, they missed it. And I think it's crazy to believe that there are still people today, there's still Jewish people today waiting, hoping for the coming Messiah. They missed it. So the person's, the posture of a person's heart makes all the difference, doesn't it? We see from Mary and Zechariah and the, and the Pharisees. Mary's heart towards God was to say, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you anyway. And the Pharisees just flat out missed him and rejected him. So how about you? Do you have hope today? Maybe you're lacking hope. Or, or maybe, like the kids at Christmas time, we're, we're hoping in the wrong things. We're hoping that we'll get that present or that thing or that circumstance will change. And we, we begin to point our hearts and turn to things that really just don't satisfy. Kind of like that crossfire game. You play with it a little bit and kind of slide it under the bed. Because it really doesn't satisfy. See, hope is a good thing. It's a human thing. It's something we need. But it's so much better when we place our hope in Jesus, the one who will never change, will never let us down, walks with us through all of life, and he offers, he's the living hope. This is what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so if we know Jesus by faith, if we've been brought into his family, then, then we have a living hope in Jesus. A hope that will never fade and a hope that walks with us and talks with us and guides us through the ups and downs of life. These are the words that Mary heard from the angel Gabriel. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's verse 30. 
And then a few verses later, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So God's message to Mary was, don't be afraid. I'm with you. And I'm going to help you. And you don't understand this, but it's okay because I've got it. And I believe that message of hope is, is also for us. I'm your dad. I've got this. I love you. God's our father. He always does what is good and right and perfect. He says, I love my kids, and I'm going to always do what's best for them. And so for lacking hope today, maybe we just need to be reminded of that, that Jesus is our hope, and it's never going to change. I think it looks like this. We hope for things in life. We hope for the job promotion. We hope that things that you guys mentioned, you know, we have hopes that surgeries will go well. Health will be restored. We have hopes and dreams. That's part of being human. But for the rest of the world, that's where it stops. They say, well, if, if things go my way, if, cir- if circumstances change to what I want them to be, then I'm happy. But for people who know Jesus, we still have those same hopes and dreams. But we hold them with an open hand and we say, Lord, your will be done. And if those things don't happen, I'm okay, Jesus, because I still have you. And if I don't get that job, then you've got something else for me that's better because you know what's, what's best for me. Right? And so things don't always turn out the way that we want them to, but when our hope is in Jesus, we can rest in that. We can rest in the hope that he brings. And again, he's promised to walk with us through the ups and downs and to fulfill his purpose for our lives. So the idea of hope is different in the Bible than what the world typically sees Biblical hope isn't hoping for better circumstances, it's waiting for God to show up in the midst of our stuff, in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our trials and our struggles, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He left heaven, he came down, he said, I'm gonna gonna meet you where you are, I'm gonna put skin on and come down and be amongst you, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came down into this world to offer hope to a broken world, which includes you and me, he says, You guys are are stuck in sin. I'm going to come down and redeem you. I'm going to offer you good news for every day. I'm going to give you the gospel, right? Jesus says, your relationships are broken. I'm going to help you restore those relationships. Your marriage is struggling. I'm going to help you with that. Your finances are a wreck. I'm going to help you with that. That's what Jesus offers through the gospel, is hope to us each and every day through the gospel, And that's why we have hope, real hope, not just hoping that things will turn out the way that we want to. Uh, As J.Y. Kim writes in his book, Hope, An Expectant Leap, he says, this is what Christian hope looks like. It doesn't ignore fear, anxiety, and doubt. It confronts them. It holds steady, clinging to peace in the midst of chaos. Through life's many treacherous storms, Christian hope is buoyed in something greater that has happened And something greater that is going to happen again. I don't know if you caught that, but as we think about Christmas, something that happened, hope came. Jesus came. And Jesus is coming again. There's another coming of of Jesus. And we live in that in-between time right now, don't we? Between the first coming of Christ and the second coming. And we live with hope and expectancy of that. And we can look forward to it. We don't have to be fearful. We can look forward to his coming. We have the gospel, the good news of Jesus. 
that applies to every situation, every day of our lives. So here's three things I want to just kind of take away from, from what we're talking about today. The first thing is this, God is here and he has a plan. And you might need to hear that today, that God is here and he has a plan. He is with us. God always accomplishes his purposes. And so we might have our version of what we think should happen in life, but God's got a better one. He's got a better plan and he always brings it about. The next one is this, the impossible is possible. If you read through the Bible over and over, God doing the impossible. Mary becomes pregnant. Virgin, like that's a miracle. Jesus was protected. When, when Herod tried to kill him two years into his life, God protected him. God, God does miracles and God accomplishes his purpose. And so what we think is impossible is possible with God. We can, we can rest in that. God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to change this situation, but it's not up to me. I'm not God. So I just get to sit back and watch God work, right, and have faith in him. And so our job, the third thing, is to live with hope because of what God says is true. That's our job. We just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this no matter what. And I'm going to place my hope in you, Jesus, because you never change. And you've promised to always be there and to take care of everything in my life. And so I can just rest in that. We live with hope because of what God says is true. So if we're living today and, and we lack hope, you're just kind of feeling like, man, life is hopeless. Life is hard and I just, I want to give up. Then I think the question is, where is your hope ultimately found? Again, we can, we can hope for things. We want that, that cir- circumstance to change in our lives, but is that where it stops? Or do we ultimately hope in Jesus and we say, no, Jesus, I trust in you and what you have for my life and what you say is best. Like Mary said, I'm your servant. I'm just here for you. And so maybe we're hoping in the wrong things or maybe we're hoping in success or like kids at Christmas time, hoping that that present, that thing that we get is going to really, really make us happy. We don't get to control what happens in this life, but we know the one who does. His name is Jesus. I said earlier that hope is future-oriented faith. Hope is an expectancy that something will happen. We hope in Jesus. So I want to end this morning with just a little discussion. And, and so I invite you guys to engage with these questions. Speak up, speak loudly. You'll bless somebody else here as they hear your heart. So the first one is this. How might your week be different if you believe God's promises and hope in Him? Does that change this upcoming week? How might that change life? Anybody? Anybody? Brings joy to know God and to rely on Him. Yeah. So your own emotional state is better? Absolutely. What else? My circumstances won't dictate my attitude. Whoa. Do you guys hear that? My circumstances won't dictate my attitude towards others. Because no matter what our circumstances are, we still know Jesus. It doesn't change some very foundational things about us and who, who God is and who we are as a result, right? 
Next question is how might it look to offer the hope of Jesus to others this week? Can you think of ways that maybe you offer the hope of Jesus? I mean, this is Christmas time, right? It's a great time to offer the hope of Jesus. What does that look like this week? People are looking for hope, but they don't know what it is. So how do we show them the hope of Jesus? That is so good. Yeah, start with prayer, right? God loves them more than we do. And so when we pray and ask God for that opportunity, he opens a door, and then we just are faithful to take advantage of that situation, right? Can anyone think of a real tangible way? How can you show the hope of Jesus to someone this week? Maybe it looks like serving them. Anyone know of any needs? Make extra sugar cookies. Thanks, Ruth. You can drop some off at my house too. Because oftentimes, giving the hope of Jesus starts with an act of kindness, doesn't it? Starts with serving somebody and showing them what Jesus is like. And they start to ask, you know, we, we mentioned this before, live life in such a way that it demands a Jesus explanation. Like, why are you so kind? Why are you so generous? Why are you so caring? Well, let me tell you why. So the third question is this, how would our neighborhoods or community be impacted by the hope of Jesus? Would it change our neighborhoods? Would it change our community? If we live with hope and share it with others? How so? When we live it out, they are drawn to that. They're drawn to the joy or the peace or the life that we carry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if we live with hope, it, it rubs off on other people in our neighborhoods, right? And maybe there's a little more Jesus light shining in our neighborhood because we're there. That's the hope. Any other thoughts? Anybody want to share anything? Any of those questions? Our hope is in Jesus, ultimately. And this morning, we're going to share communion together. Hopefully, you got the elements when you came in. And we're reminded of what it cost Jesus to give us hope. He laid down his life so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. We could be brought into this family. Communion is not a, a magical thing, but is a special thing. And so as Jesus, just before he went to the cross, he gathered with his disciples around a table and he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, eat it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he, he said, this is my blood, the new covenant poured out for you. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus said, as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim Jesus until he comes again. 
And that's what we're doing today. We're remembering what Jesus has done for us. We're remembering the sacrifice that he made to give us the hope that we have in him. The hope of eternity, the hope for tomorrow. And so um, the band's going to come up. I'm going to pray. And then as they start the song, just take some time to reflect and to spend some time with God in prayer. And you can take the elements at your own pace. And then if you want to join in the song at the end, feel free to do that. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that we get to celebrate your coming and that in this Advent season, the arrival season, we, we realize the hope that you bring. And so, Lord, may our hope be in the right place today. May it be ultimately in you and not just on the change of our circumstances, not just on things going our way, but remembering that no matter what happens in this life, Jesus, we have you. And that doesn't change. You are our rock. You are our living hope. And you speak life into our relationships. You speak life into our situations. You speak life into the darkness of our hearts. So Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for having walked this earth and experienced life just as we do. That you can relate to it. You know exactly what we're feeling, exactly what we're going through today. And you've overcome. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life on the cross for me, for my sins. And making a way for each person on this planet to have a relationship with a holy God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Man, I'm so glad that Jesus came. We get to remember that this season. We get to share that with others. Psalm 31, 24 says, So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. We have reason to hope, church, because of Jesus. If there's anything I can do for you this morning, if you'd like to pray together, if you'd just like to talk or get to know one another, just I'll be around after the service. I want to thank you so much for being here. And go shine the light of Jesus this Christmas season. Amen? All right, you're dismissed. Have a great week. Pastor Josh left us with some takeaways for this week. God is here, and He has a plan. He is with us. The impossible is possible with God. Live with hope because what God says is true. Here are some discussion questions for you this week. What are some things that you hope for? How might your week look different if you believe in God's promises and hope in Him? How might it look to offer the hope of Jesus to others this week? How would our neighborhoods or community be impacted by the hope of Jesus? Thank you for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.